I want to share with you some exciting news of something that's coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're going to start a new service over in the Riverstone community at Stone Creek Elementary at the beginning of the year. Leading up to that, we're going to have three preview services to give people a preview of what uh, church at Flipside looks like in a new location. On October 17th, November 21st, and December 19th, we're going to have one preview service over at that site at 1030. Um, the best way to reach people uh, on the planet Earth is to start new churches, not build bu bigger buildings. And so there's a community there. Um, we have worked hand in hand throughout our, our since we began 16 years ago with the district. They've allowed us a uh, great opportunity uh, to expand uh, what we're doing. We serve them well. We had a great relationship with our district, and so I'm excited to start a new site over in that elementary school. Here's where you come into play. One, start talking about and spreading the word, all right? Because these three preview services, we're going to give people an idea of what, it, what it's like to do church there. Uh, the second way that you get to partner with us is I want some of you to go to that church there, those services, those three preview services. There's something real creepy about walking into a church service and nobody's there. It just feels like a cult, and we don't want to do that. And so I need some people there so when other people start checking out church, it looks like, hey, this might be a place I want to be. But here's the thing. I only want my smilers there. Like, if you come to church here and you don't smile, stay here. You don't scare me. Uh, but I don't want any of you non-smilers over there. So if you're a smiler at church, then I want you to be part of that. And then the third way uh, is uh, there's, there's a lot of places where you're going to have opportunity to serve um, people in that through that church site there. Uh, and so you'll have a lot of opportunities coming up to tell us where it is you want to serve in that way and be a part of what God's doing. So uh, I'm really excited about that. You'll hear more about it as, we, as, as it gets closer. Uh, let, let, let me do this. I want to say again what I said last week. Make sure that we understand that the story of the Bible is the story of the kingdom of God. The story of the Bible is the story of the kingdom. That's what it's about. I said this last week, I'm going to remind us again, that the kingdom of God is the overarching and integrating theme of the Bible. The thing that ties the whole thing together, the integrating theme throughout all of Scripture, is the kingdom of God. Here's our problem. Our problem is that we function most naturally in other kingdoms. Then we do the kingdom of God. If, if you have a relationship with Jesus through faith, I'm not talking about being a religious person. I'm talking about if you have a relationship with Jesus through faith, you're part of his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Our problem is that even though we should be a part of God's kingdom, we function most naturally in other kingdoms. And because of that, we're more familiar with the effects of the kingdom of the evil one than we are the kingdom of God. Though we were made for the kingdom of God, we're used to the effects of the kingdom of the world. And so the kingdom of God stuff seems foreign. One of the reasons we're so familiar with the kingdom of the world and ultimately the kingdom of the evil one is because we see it so often. Our problem is that we've trained ourselves to see the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of the evil one, before we see the kingdom of God. We keep the kingdom of the world before our eyes every day. We keep the kingdom of the evil before our eyes every moment of every day. 
And the result of that is we become distracted. Those who should be living the agenda of the kingdom of God simply become distracted because we keep before our eyes the kingdom of the world constantly. I hinted at this last week. I'm going to press it this week. Don't get distracted. If you call yourself a Christ follower and are part of the kingdom of God, the word today is don't get distracted. I, I, I thought of this this week, and I, I want to see if, you, if you'd agree with me. We see everywhere what we see regularly. Do you understand what I'm saying? We see everywhere what it is we see regularly. So whatever we keep before our, our eyes, whatever we keep in our mind, we see that everywhere. It's like it's pervasive. And so one of the reasons we see the kingdom of the evil one so regularly it's because we always keep it before our eyes, and because we keep it before our eyes, we see it everywhere. So let me, I got, I got four questions this morning, four questions for us right off the bat. Is the, the propensity of what's online, is that proponents or opponents of the kingdom of God? Let me use other words so you understand it. With the majority of what's online, does it propel God's kingdom or oppose God's kingdom? Okay. Let me ask you this. How much time do you think the average American spends online every year? Well, I did the research, so let me tell you. The average American spends 1,300 hours online every year. You know what that equals to? 54 days a year. You realize there's only 365 days in a year. 54 of those, the average American spends online. And if the average American spends 54 out of 365 online, and the majority of what's online is opponents of the kingdom of God, what do you think we keep before our eyes all the time and why we're so distracted? Follow me? So let's talk about social media. What's your guess? The majority of social media, propelling the kingdom of God or opposing the kingdom of God? Did you know that the average American spends 58 minutes a day on Facebook? That's 325 hours a year. Do you know the average is 53 minutes a day on Instagram? That's 297 hours a year. Do you know the Snapchat 50 minutes a day on average? That's 277 hours a year. Do you know what the average three-year-old through 16-year-old spends three-plus hours a day on YouTube? And if the majority of what's on social media is opponents of the kingdom of God, why do we even wonder why those who should be propelling God's kingdom are so distracted away from it? So my fourth question is this. Why do Christ followers believe they need to be on social media? I know your pushback. Your pushback is, well, I don't need to be on it. And if that's the case, the more important question is, if you don't need to be on social media so much, why are you? 
One of two reasons. Either one, you're addicted to it because addicts don't admit they're addicted. Or two, you've created a habit in your, in your life that you are a slave to. Right? And so one reason we get so distracted, those who should be proponents of the kingdom of God, one reason we get so distracted from the kingdom's agenda is because what we keep before our eyes is only the kingdom of the world. And we've trained ourselves to see the kingdom of the evil one without even realizing it. So you may be unaware of the kingdom of God and God's kingdom agenda because your eyes are constantly on the kingdom of the evil one. One of the greatest verses in the Bible about social media. You want to know it? Did you know that the Bible has a verse about social media? Can you believe this? This is amazing. Watch this. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. <laughs> Isn't that a great social media verse? Isn't that a great social media verse? How many times you got caught down a rabbit hole? See, our eyes often elsewhere, and we're distracted from the kingdom of God. Now, I understand, if, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and you're not a part of the kingdom of God, I understand the distraction. I get it. It's part of the kingdom of your life. But some of us who claim Christ and claim to be a part of the kingdom of God really need to do a gut check. I'm, I'm with, there are two things that's going to distract every one of us. You want to know what they are? You want to know what your distraction is? You want to know? It's one of two things. It's real simple. Your distractions are my distractions. Same thing. Here they are. You ready? Two things are distractions. The delights in this world and the difficulties of this world. Those are the only two things that will distract us, and they both will. The delights in this world, because there's some things in this world that are just downright fun and good. And the difficulties of this world, because there's some things in this life that are just downright difficult and painful. And both can distract us. In chapter 12, last week, the word that we ended with was don't get distracted by either the delights nor the difficulties. In chapter 13, it leads us into Jesus' experience with both of these and his instruction to us about both of these and his injunction to us to don't get distracted. Now, you've got to bear with me because I'm in football mode right now. So I need to do a little bit of coaching right now. Chapter 13 begins, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple. See, all of chapter 12, Jesus was in the temple. And it was in the temple with all these religious people that he got so much grief from the religious people. And it amazes me that oftentimes it's the religious people who seek to be religious all the time that miss the kingdom. And he's leaving the temple in chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones. He was looking at this great monument of the temple. What massive stones. What magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone will be left on another. Everyone will be torn down. I want to explain to you what's happening here. They leave the temple and they're looking back at it. Now, the temple was amazing. It was huge, it was massive, it was glorious. The first temple was built under King Solomon, then it was destroyed, and it was rebuilt under Zerubbabel. 
The courtyard of the temple was somewhere between four and five football fields large. It was huge. Enough to accommodate thousands and thousands of Jews as they would pour into Jerusalem for the Jewish festivals. It had a huge platform outside of it against the cliff to the southeast of the temple. And there was an enormous retaining wall that held up the platform. It was, the, the stones that were used in this were just massive stones, and some of them can still be seen to this day in Israel. The temple platform rested 200 feet above the Kidron Valley that was below it. And the temple area covered a sixth of the entire city of Jerusalem. It was an architectural wonder that took over the entire landscape of the city. A Jewish historian says this about the temple. At the exterior of the building wanted for nothing that could astound the mind or the eye. There were massive gold plates that covered the, the stones and covered the building. So, so radiant was the gold that it said that the sun, the, the rays of the sun would bounce off of the gold plates and it would, you had to avert your eyes, otherwise it'd blind you. It was just magnificent. These stones that were used to build were massive white stones, 37 and a half feet long. 12 feet high and 18 feet wide. They were enormous. And to passers-by, it was such a radiant white that had been covered with gold. When they saw the white stone, it looked as if it was a snow-covered mountain. It was just amazing. And it was certainly something to look at. And so these disciples are leaving the temple, and they're looking at this incredible structure. And I understand why they grabbed their attention. But here's what we got to pick up on. These disciples were in the presence of Jesus. And where was their attention? On their surroundings. They were distracted by the delights of their surroundings. And I wonder how many times we have the opportunity to be in the presence of Jesus, but yet are distracted by our surroundings. I wonder. How many times we're in church, but we're distracted and concerned with other things? I wonder how many opportunities we have to be in worship, but we're worried and distracted by other things. I wonder how many times we have the opportunity to be in communion, but we're disconnected from the process. I wonder how many times we have the opportunity to be in the Bible, but we're bored with its reading. I wonder how many times we have the opportunity to be in the presence of Christ. And yet are distracted. Because our eyes are on our surroundings. When Jesus says, do you see these buildings? We don't understand what he's saying, so let me help explain it. What he is saying here is a rebuke to his disciples. What he is saying is this. I know you're looking at the buildings. But your attention, you're allowing your attention to be distracted. He's asking them. Are you distracted by the delights around you? And it's a question we have to ask ourselves. Am I distracted by the delights around me? The disciples' attention was on a beautiful thing that wouldn't last. And so many times our attention gets grabbed by beautiful things that will not last. They knew That as great as the temple was, it was not going to last. 
The disciples knew that in the 8th century BC, Micah warned that Jerusalem would be in rubble because of its injustice. They knew that Jeremiah warned of Jerusalem's destruction in the 5th century BC. They knew that the prophet Uriah had been executed because he talked about the destruction of Jerusalem. It had been destroyed once and rebuilt, and yet it still grabbed their attention. And part of what I think Jesus would ask us is this. Are your eyes on things, even beautiful things, that have grabbed your attention that are not the kingdom of God? Here's what I know. Kingdom people must stay focused on kingdom things. Kingdom people must stay focused on kingdom things and not allow ourselves to get distracted by either the difficulties nor the delights. What are kingdom things? Well, kingdom things, one is evangelism. It's telling people about the kingdom of God. It's preaching the kingdom. It's talking about it. It's witnessing. And the responsibility of every Christ follower is to share with those in their huddle. We talk about our huddles, those 8 to 15 in our lives that we're close to, is to talk to those 8 to 15 people about the kingdom of God. Let me just say this. There's a lot of church folk that have taken up the mantle of being a warrior these days because they don't like what's going on. There's a lot of church folk that take a lot of pride on being a warrior for God. Let me tell you this. God has not called anybody to be his warrior. Can I just say that? There's one warrior, and his name is Jehovah. Jehovah Saba. God is our warrior. He's not asked us to be warriors. He's asked us to be witnesses. And so part of kingdom stuff of evangelism, just be a witness. Tell your story. Be vocal about it. The second thing that's a part of the kingdom is to do justice. To seek to free the oppressed. To help, to help to benefit the marginalized and underserved. To help those who can't help themselves. The Bible says in James 1.27, religion that God our Father considers pure and just is this. To look after the widows and the orphans, those who cannot take care of those who are marginalized and underserved. That's religion. So part of the kingdom is doing justice. Where there's been injustice. Part of the kingdom is to heal. To pray for and pronounce healing over the sick, the spiritually sick, the physically sick, the emotionally sick, and to seek the kingdom authority over the kingdom of the evil one. And kingdom people have to be so focused that we don't allow ourselves to get distracted away from these things of the kingdom. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is this. What is your distraction? What's my distraction? What's my distraction? There's no doubt we have been distracted. Right? Here, let me just take a little, just pause for a moment and just talk about one distraction so common to, to, to many people. Some people are distracted by their finances. Can I just be honest? In one of two ways. They're, they're distracted by their finances, either honoring their own desires more than honoring God's command to tithe, or distracted by the debt that they've amassed so their slaves do their past. Jeff, that's why I'm so thankful you and Jen are doing this class because it's about financial liberation. So finances are liberated and free, not distracting anymore. Don't get distracted. 
the other part of our distraction is not just from the delights in the world around us, but part of our distraction is in the difficulties of this world that we're in. And Lord knows there's a lot of difficulty to distract us. Look what the Bible says, verses 7 and 8. When you hear, this is Jesus talking now. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars and embassies falling and people falling off the outsides of planes, don't be alarmed. It's bad. It's going to get worse. Look at what he says. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, huh? And kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. He's saying, regardless of the difficulties that swirl around you in this world, don't get distracted. Don't let the delights of this world nor the difficulties of this world distract you from the kingdom of God and its agenda. There will be wars and there will be threats. And there'll be nation building and there'll be nation destruction. And there'll be earthquakes and there'll be famines and there'll be fires all over California. And all of this is normal to human existence. Why? I'll tell you why it's so normal. Because humanity has rejected the kingdom of God in favor of the kingdom of self. And Jesus says in the midst of all that, don't you get distracted. Jesus says when you see all this stuff happening... Don't jump to the conclusion that it's the end of times. It might be, but it might not be. He says, stay focused, because while we're here, we got work to do. Stay focused. He says, all this difficulty, these are birth pains. Now, personally, I've never been through, personally, the experience of giving birth. Right? Right? But I do understand that at some level, it can be somewhat uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I've never experienced it. But my guess is there's an element of uncomfortability. But here's what else I know. Without pain, there's no new life. And so sometimes God has called us to go through pain in this world, in this life, in order to build a new life of spiritual muscle. Because only difficulty and only pain and only strain can build muscle. And it's that spiritual muscle that is built through difficulty and pain and strain that we take into eternity. Here's the thing. It's that spiritual muscle that we take into eternity that will be the foundation with which we will worship God for eternity. And God does not want anemic, weak worshipers through eternity. He wants strong worshipers to worship him throughout the ages. And so he allows us to go through pain and difficulty here to build our spiritual muscle that will take into eternity. Don't you get distracted by it. Do you understand? Look at what he says in verse 9. You have to be on your guard. You have to be on your guard. 
attention. Don't get distracted by the delights in this world or the difficulties of this world. Don't let it distract you, Jesus says, from the kingdom of God and its agenda. Stay, stuff is gonna go on around you. Don't get distracted. There'll be some great things that will tempt you to be distracted. Don't get, there's gonna be some difficult and painful things. Don't get distracted. Stay focused, be on your guard. When Jesus says, be on your guard, he means literally see and perceive and discern. We get distracted when we don't see clearly. We get distracted when we're not perceiving what the reality, we get distracted when we're not discerning. Be on your guard. Look at how this goes down. Jesus says, you will be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors. Could be Newsom. Could be Elder. Who knows? Doesn't matter. But you will stand before them. You'll stand before kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. On account of Jesus, on account of kingdom agenda, because we stay focused to the kingdom of God, we will go through difficulties, both from religious entities and governmental entities. I, I, I tell people that I work with all the time in ministry, the most dangerous thing a pastor can do is teach the Bible. And for those of you who are kingdom people but aren't pastors, the most dangerous thing you can do is pursue the kingdom. Because it will put you in conflict with every other agenda and kingdom out there. And sometimes those other kingdom agendas come from religious entities, and sometimes they come from governmental entities. But in the midst of all of it, Jesus says, don't get distracted. You may stand before entities. You may stand before religious entities and government. Don't get distracted. Kingdom people stay focused. He says the good news will be preached. The good news will be preached. Not as a condition to, uh, of the end, but as a, an assurance that it will. Because there will be some faithful to the end who will not get distracted from the kingdom of God and its agenda. There will be some who will stay faithful to the end, to the kingdom of God and its agenda. There will be some who will not allow themselves to get distracted by the delights nor the difficulties. There will be some. And this is why we must stay focused. Because we've got a job to do. And Jesus is very clear, on account of him and on account of that agenda, we will stand before governors. I look forward to that day. There's something about that that's going to be fun. And we will stand before that day. And in that day, we'll stand not as warriors, not as cultural warriors, but as witnesses. Here's my fear. 
Here's my fear. There are some Christ followers that are so worked up and so angry, and I understand about the way things are going. I understand it, but there are some church people that are so worked up about the way things are going, they've taken on the role of warrior rather than witness. Can I just warn us, please, don't take on the role of a warrior for your agenda rather than being a witness for your Jesus. Don't get distracted. Here's what I know. Persecution has a purpose. When we're persecuted for the kingdom agenda, when we're persecuted because we're faithful to the kingdom, it has a purpose. And its purpose is to put us in a position to be witnesses, not warriors, witnesses before those we would never get to be witnesses to. The purpose of the persecution, whether it's before governors or kings, is to get us before governors and kings. Not as warriors in rebellion, but as witnesses to our Lord. And when we're in those situations, here's what happens to kingdom people. Kingdom people have a commodity that's outside of themselves that when they're in those positions comes inside themselves. And this is what happens. Jesus says, whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever's given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. The promise for kingdom people, according to the kingdom agenda, is that we have a resource and an entity outside of us called the Holy Spirit. And so flip side, please understand. Kingdom people, please understand. Stay focused. Don't allow yourself to get distracted by neither the delights nor the difficulties. Continue doing kingdom stuff. Preaching and talking about the truth of Scripture. Helping to liberate ca- uh, captives. I almost said Catholics. <laughs> Maybe some of them need to be liberated. I don't know. Continue pursuing the kingdom's agenda. But don't be fooled. Go into this with your eyes wide open. Don't be fooled. The kingdom of God will put me in conflict with all other kingdoms. That's what the kingdom does. The kingdom of God puts us in conflict with all other kingdoms. Don't get distracted by them. You want to know how much the kingdom of God will put you in conflict with? Read verse 12 of chapter 13. You want to know what the results of kingdom living are? I'm just going to warn you. It's not all rainbows and puppies. But part of of the difficulty with uh, uh, American churchianity is that we've been sold this, this, this bill that if you give your life to Jesus, he's going to come in and he's going to make stuff good. And he does oftentimes, without a doubt. And if he doesn't make them good, he makes them right. 
Because sometimes right isn't comfortable. But we've been sold this, 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 this deal that if I, just, if I just do it God's way, then it's all, you know, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Let me tell you what Jesus says. He's, he's, been, he's been talking and working through the kingdom stuff all the way for the last 12 chapters. And now he's getting ready in chapters 14 and 15 to set his face resolutely to the kingdom agenda. And he knows what it's going to cost him. And he's preparing himself to walk the road that he has to walk according to the kingdom's agenda. And he says, look, I'm going to be straight with you and let you know exactly what this will mean. Verse 13, everyone will hate you because of me. How many is willing to sign up for his way now? He says, everyone will hate you. Not because you're an idiot or you're stupid or rude. I mean, if they hate you because of that, that's on you. He said, but, but if you do it my way. Not that you're going to walk out with a ton of friends. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Someone told me once, they Carl, if you can't preach it in the Sudan, don't preach it in America. The kingdom will challenge every other kingdom. And it will cost us. But we will not be distracted, not by the delights nor the difficulties. Kingdom living does not always produce prosperity. It may, and that may be your blessing, but it may not. And if it's not, who cares? Stay focused on kingdom agenda. He who stands firm to the end will be saved. Here's what I know. Please, I want to drive this home. Understand this. The most fearless people in the world are believers who know their God. The most fearless people on the planet are those believers who know their God. Part of the problem in our culture these days is that we don't see fearlessness anymore. Part of the problem in the American churchianity culture is that we don't see fearlessness anymore. Part of the problem from feminized men is that they don't value fearlessness anymore. Don't get distracted. What the Bible says. Therefore, Jesus says, keep watch because you don't know when the owner of the house is going to come back. Whether he's going to come back in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes back suddenly, don't you dare let him find you sleeping. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. Don't let the joys and the delights of this world 
entice you away from the kingdom's agenda, nor let the difficulties in this world tempt you away. Here's what I know. There's some great things in this world that you should be enjoying. And God wants you to enjoy all of his blessings. Just don't let those blessings distract you from his kingdom. Nor let the difficulties distract you. Don't get distracted. Jesus is setting his agenda right now in, in chapter 13 for 14 and 15 and what's coming. And 14 and 15 is the account in real time in Jesus' life of him staying focused on kingdom agenda. Because he knows that that agenda is going to cost him his life. And through his life, we're going to find ours. And so he's setting the stage. Don't get distracted. And his word to them then is his word to us now. If you're a kingdom person, don't get distracted. There's a lot going on in this world right now that can grab our attention and our affection. Don't get distracted. There's a lot going on in our world right now that can cause us to get angry and bitter and fight. Don't get distracted on either way side. Chapter 13 ends with one word. Watch. Jesus says, watch. Not in the sense that watch and see what I do as a, as a specter. He says, watch, be engaged. Be actively mindful. Watch and don't allow yourself to get distracted. Listen, we got one job. It's the kingdom's agenda. Don't allow yourself to get distracted by the delights of this world nor the difficulties of this world. Both will be your temptation. Don't get distracted. See, we believe in God that he is our father. And so we will not get distracted. And we believe in Jesus. He is the Christ. And we will not get distracted. And we believe in the Holy Spirit and through him have new life. We will not get distracted. We believe in the crucifixion. And we believe that hell and the kingdom of the devil has already been conquered, so we will not get distracted. And we believe in the resurrection, and we believe that Jesus is coming back again, so we will not get distracted. Do you understand? If you're a kingdom person, let this resonate. Our faith, is more than an anthem. Our faith is more than sentiment because we believe in the kingdom of God and that kingdom will find those who are lost. We believe in the kingdom of God that that kingdom will storm the gates of hell. We will not be distracted because we believe that that kingdom of God will free the prisoner and we believe that that kingdom of God and in that kingdom love will always prevail. So we will never get distracted. And in spite of what goes on around us and regardless of what happens, 
this church and kingdom people will not be distracted. Do you understand? You're going to walk into things this week. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to walk into things this week that are going to be fantastic, beautiful, and wonderful. And your temptation is that's going to distract you from the kingdom's agenda. Don't get distracted. Some of you are going to walk into things this week that are going to be difficult and painful and downright evil. Don't get distracted. This kingdom, the kingdom of God, has already conquered the kingdom of evil and the kingdom of this world. Don't get distracted. This kingdom of God will not end and will never be defeated. Don't get distracted. Remember who you are. Remember whose kingdom you're a part of. And don't let yourself get distracted. Father, I thank you that you've invited us into your kingdom. God, we believe that you are our Father. Jesus, we believe you are the Christ. Holy Spirit, we believe that in you we've been given new life. God, our faith is more than an anthem and it's more than a song, it's more than a sentiment. Forgive us because some of us have been distracted for far too long. You've been so good to some of us. It's actually distracted us from your kingdom. Forgive us. Some of us have gone through hell and we're still in it. Forgive us because we let the difficulties will distract us from your kingdom. God, call us back. Call us back in this moment to your kingdom. Let us not be distracted or sidetracked. God, you've invited us back into your kingdom. And we say, in this moment, may your kingdom come. We believe you, and we trust you, and we join you in the work of your kingdom. And we declare right now that we will not get distracted.